Hey guys, welcome back to Who, What, Where, a true crime podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin, Hannah, and Abigail. If you've never listened before, just know this is a very chatty girls' night sleepover type podcast. We will speculate and theorize a lot, so if that's not your jam, we totally understand. But if it is, you can tune in every Monday for a full-length episode, and then come back every Friday for a freaky Fast Friday episode, where we give you the rundown on a case, sometimes unsolved, always freaky, in 30 minutes or less. get this going sugar plums um <laughs> i just say sugar plum i call connor sugar plum all the time hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast thanks so much for sticking with us even though we weren't able to post on our normal schedule last week there was a lot of st- it was just a bad week for everybody basically in our lives um So we took a little break, but I appreciate you guys joining us for this episode. And in this episode, we're going to talk about Samuel Little. And he was recently in the news more so than normal. I mean, this guy, let's be honest, has been in the news a lot, like for most of his life for various crimes. (laughs) Um, Even if we didn't know it was him back then. (laughs) uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, But he was recently in the news because he actually passed away he was old though nothing happened to him um he just had like various <laughs> various health issues health I issues saw yeah. that he had like heart issues at that point yeah diabetes <laughs> heart problems and then an uh, other variety of health issues I, he was born in 1940 so he's he'd be 80 81 yeah yeah so he's rather i mean that's pretty old and he had lived you know we'll talk about it in the episode obviously but he had lived a life of running from the cops being in and out of jail um basically a transient kind of lifestyle um so You guys already know this, I'm sure, but Samuel Little was a serial killer who confessed to the murders of around 93 victims between 1970 and 2005. That was kind of his killing spree years. Um, There is a lot of speculation over whether or not he actually committed 93 murders or not. Um, Well, because they only found evidence or they could only match his descriptions of his victims to like 60 so they can only confirm 60 yeah so so, i mean it's it's kind of it's an interesting case because you know we know a lot about ted bundy we've talked about gary ridgeway on our um, podcast two of the most prolific serial killers in the united states and i think samuel little's name kind of gets either missed a lot of times from the conversation but in theory he killed over or around 90 people um and i'll talk about this a little bit later but i think that i actually do believe that that's how many people he killed there's a lot of people that don't um there's a lot of people that think that like a lot of other serial killers he's fudging the numbers a little bit to kind of for whatever reason make himself feel stronger and better and like the best serial killer ever obviously serial killers have a lot of other issues so that's not that's just like the cherry on top of it all that they think that they should confess to more murders than they possibly did just to make themselves feel like the best ever anyway um 
he recently like we said he died um but he died in prison so he was serving a life sentence at this point um he was in and out of jail a lot though for his entire life and i'll talk about kind of a series of events and a timeline sort of of um his in and out of jail basically and like we've mentioned a few times too he was declared by media by the fbi by everybody um the most prolific serial killer in the united states samuel samuel little was born on june 7th 1940 in reynolds georgia and he claimed that he had been given his mother was a teenage prostitute and a lot of people believe so basically i'll preface this first by saying that we don't know a lot about samuel little's childhood we only know what he has said um which isn't much (laughs) so apparently yeah he he mostly talked about his crimes like he doesn't talk a lot about his early life at all yeah um except for one really weird fact which i'll get to later that he talks about about his childhood um he claimed that his mother was a teenage prostitute so basically his mother was like in and out of jail because of the life that she lived and so a lot of people think that he was given birth to while she was in jail and little was raised by his grandmother but he struggled in school and eventually dropped out i think he got some way through high school if not all the way through high school but he wasn't it wasn't like i mean as with most serial killers it wasn't like he was this great student who was overperforming and doing all these amazing things like he was just struggling in school didn't have a relationship with his um, biological parents and eventually dropped out and then this is around the time that his crimes started so like i said earlier this man was no (laughs) he he knew the jail cell pretty well basically he was in and out of jail his entire life essentially his entire adult life In the 1950s, Little became a drifter and was arrested several times, ranging from fraud, um, driving under the influence, assault. He did a lot of armed robbery. And then there were a few violent crimes, like more violent crimes, like assault and rape um, of women, most of which were sex workers, which we'll get to in a little bit, too. And by the age of 35, he had been arrested in 11 total states. And had escaped two murder convictions prior to those to prior to his 2014 arrest that led to the confessions of all of these murders. Um, yes, you heard that right. He escaped two murder convictions, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And you know, I just want to like mention, I feel like that's such a bummer for people who were on the jury for those cases or like were involved in any way in those cases. And now after he confessed all these murders, they're like, oh shit. Yeah, I probably, we probably should have, you know, pushed harder or whatever. But for whatever reason, any of his murder convictions up into the big. Well, and I think it was because at the time they couldn't, it's my understanding that they couldn't get any reliable witnesses to testify in either of the trials. So like that, and that was all the evidence that they had. So exactly. Yeah. And, and um, all of, I'll talk a little bit more about kind of a timeline of all his arrests, but all of these happened, you know, before 
the DNA and crime scene shows that we know to this day where, you know, everyone's swabbing for DNA and we have a national database and we can find out all this information. That was just not the case when he was committing all these crimes, Um, similar to someone like Ted Bundy. That's why they got away with it for so long. That's why they killed so many people um, because they just there was no way really that anyone could catch them. And so why why would they stop? Um, so essentially little would often target victims that were easily forgotten by society. So similar to someone we know very well on the podcast that we've talked about, um, Gary Ridgeway. So he killed a lot of sex workers, homeless women, and, um, people with drug problems or women with drug problems. Or and all three. <laughs> yeah. Or they had possibly could be in all three of those categories um a large number of these women were women of color and i i feel like it's important to note that samuel little was a black man um if you guys have never seen him or i'm sure you probably have at this point if you're listening to a true crime podcast but which i just want to say is kind of interesting because i feel like in america like 99 percent of our serial killers are white and, you know, that's a fair point to make because... Well, I mean, I, like, there's, like, Richard Ramirez, who's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. But th- you're right. Okay. Like, all the ones that immediately come to mind are Caucasian. Are the first ones that we think of. And it's... Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it's, like, that's, like, an interesting thing to mention. I don't think it really means anything, but it's just weird, you know, that... It's probably statistics. It's, like, a statistics thing. Like, there's just more white men, I think, in America, so... Yeah, and I mean, without statistics wise, like there'd be more serial killers that were white men, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, so at the this is a little bit weird to me, but at the time of the murders, the victims were almost all of the victims' cases were kind of just written off, and the whoever was investigating it was like, Oh, yeah, they probably died of a drug overdose or drug induced causes or some sort of accident. Um Little had almost excessively strangled his victims to death, and this made it hard to detect foul play when finding sex workers or homeless women dead on the streets. So my problem with that is, in my mind, I'm like, okay, if he... So a side note here, we'll talk about this a little bit more later, but Little, Samuel Little was a boxer. He learned how to box during one of his prison stints. (laughs) Um box pretty well he was a big guy i mean if you guys want to look at pictures of him i encourage you to do so while you're listening to this but he was a big guy and a lot of times he would knock out his victims first before strangling them and so i'm thinking in my mind these girls must have looked like they got beat up right like how did someone not say hey this doesn't look like a drug overdose this looks like someone got hurt yeah not to mention that when somebody chokes you with their bare hands if they're strong enough to do so, uh, there'd be severe bruising. And it like it just sounds like there wasn't significant autopsies done. So that means somebody along the line decided it was an accident. Because if it was an accident, they weren't going to do an autopsy to find out that there was a crushed airway or severe bruising or like, you know what I mean? So somebody decided, oh, it's probably not foul play. It's probably an accident. And that led to like them quote-unquote ignoring things which they never really got the chance to look at it i feel like that happens a lot and that's why serial killers sadly target um a lot of like 
mm-hmm. women basically because they feel like they'll just easily brush it off as oh it's a drug addiction it's like something related to their work like something like that um and like sex workers really get the brunt of serial killers which is is quite saddening because they're they're worth as much as everybody else in our opinions and i'm sure you guys know that from our other episodes yeah little was dubbed at this point kind of the choke and stroke killer by the lapd and that was kind of the name that he was known by in in like the law enforcement um field because he would masturbate while choking his victims oh i hate that ew um little's explanations for his crimes which he later as you guys might already know um when he was arrested finally in 2012 and then started confessing um after that he was a little bit kind of sporadic in like the answers he would give and the amount of information he would give i'll talk about this a little bit more in a second too um but his explanations for the crimes varied from time to time. Um, sometimes he said he would do it in the name of God to put his victims out of their misery. Because, again, just like someone like Gary Ridgway, I, I know I keep connecting the two cases, but I feel like they're very similar, um, would, you know, do it because, oh, they were sex workers. They didn't want to be alive anyway kind of thing. Um And then he also would say that sometimes he felt like he was possessed by the devil, which I feel like is more on trend for murdering someone, but whatever. Anyway. Okay, so now I want to talk about um, the timeline of the arrests. So like I said, he was in and out of jail. He was no stranger to being in the eyes of law enforcement, basically. Um, He lived very much so a transient lifestyle, and I think, I truly believe that that's what allowed him to murder just the sheer quantity of women that he did um was the kind of the lifestyle that he lived well, and when there was never like there was never involvement on like a nationwide ba- like capacity like it was always just like individual cops and he didn't seem to stay in one place for very long like exactly. he would come back to places but you wouldn't commit that many murders in like one place before he just moved on to the next place which i think exactly. we see in like all of those i mean criminal minds is the first one that comes to mind but when it takes so long to link crimes across state borders because they don't like communicate as well as within state lines i guess um there's like so you have to have bureaucracy issue yeah yeah you have yeah. to like have some kind of mindset that it's interstate I mean, and that's exactly what happened in Ted Bundy's case was exactly, he yeah. he murdered a ton of women, but he would kind of go around the Pacific Northwest and was never caught because at that point in time, there wasn't this like national database for, um, you know, cops or investigators, detectives, whatever, to go in and be like, all right, there's kind of this weird MOs going on of these sex workers being choked to death and, um, you know, left on the streets and whatnot. So, um, as far as I know, his first arrest was in 1956, but again, not a ton was known about his childhood. So in 1956, he would have been 16, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was for a burglary and break-in. 
Um, so the, kind of before he <laughs> sounds so horrible to say this, but before he started killing people, um, he stuck to just pretty tame crimes of burglaries and break-ins. Some of them were um, more like violent burglaries or like burglaries gone wrong sort of things. Um, but that's what he mainly did. And that's actually, I'll talk about this in a second too, but that's kind of what he did to essentially allow himself to just survive as an adult um and he was eventually paroled for this crime crime is the word i'm looking for um in 1961 he was arrested again for a break-in so again that's kind of his his thing um he got a three-year sentence for this and this was his longest sentence until he was eventually captured for the dozens of murders that he had committed um in 2012 and he was at the ohio state reformatory mansfield or at yeah, mansfield i think is what it was um which is known uh for being kind of like the what's the word it's like rough right it's like a rough oh yeah it's um what shawshank redemption shawshank redemption was based off of oh yeah was that oh was that prison um yeah so actually eventually i don't know if it was it was clearly after he was there obviously but um that prison was like mandated to be shut down because of how horrible they treated um inmates and just like the living conditions were just horrible um it was in this prison where he learned to box. So it wasn't like he was like a boxer growing up or anything, but dirt when he was in prison, because I guess that's what people in prison do. I wouldn't know, but he learned to box and apparently was very good. So according to him though, according to him, I think, well, I don't know. I feel like I've seen a lot of people be like, he is just trying to like make himself seem more interesting than he is by saying, Oh yeah. Like I was a boxer. It's interesting because I actually saw a few things that kind of said that he was possibly a professional boxer. Um, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was actually not that bad. I don't know. Um, anyway, so he's paroled in 1964. So again, it was only a three-year sentence, but it I was his... like. Go ahead. Sorry, I feel like the thing about being a professional boxer is like you could be a professional boxer and like do those like underground boxing matches for money, <laughs> or you could be a professional boxer like. I guess not on TV at the time, but you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Yeah. He is professional in the Ohio State Reformatory Mainsfield, maybe. I'm sure he is. <laughs> um, Mr. Shawshank. So he was arrested two years after that. I mean, like I said, he really, he literally, he couldn't just not do a crime, like, ever in his life. This You know, guy. which is kind of sad, almost. Like, this guy I mean. Did- he had some issues yeah as with most serial killers it it's not like they lived this life of luxury and then they just randomly turned to killing that's just not the case usually um he clearly like struggled and i think he honestly did a lot of these earlier crimes um as a way to make money um Mm -hmm. especially like the break-ins um and everything but then when he He was a rough life yeah, when yeah. he was arrested in 1966, he was actually arrested for assault and battery of a woman. So that was, in my research, the first um, 
arrest that was like a violent arrest or a, vi- a violent arrest against a woman, I guess. Um, by so about what was that five years later, um, in 1971, he had committed his first murder. So it's not exactly sure. I'm not exactly sure when, but sometime between 1966, when he was arrested for assault and battery of a woman, um, to 1971 was when he committed his first murder which was when he strangled mary brosley to death in the florida Everglades, Everglades, and buried her in a shallow grave um so that was his first murder and then as we know he didn't stop there and i feel like once he killed his first victim that was like just the end of it and he was just going crazy for well and so mary like 30 plus years so that's the earliest one he's like admitted to right yeah yeah Yeah. and and you know i think that's interesting too because i don't know i mean maybe i'm just kind of naive but i really do believe even though it's disgusting and unfortunate that he did kill at 90 plus women i think that that's true um and so i i feel like he's telling the truth for as as well as he remembers i guess Mm -hmm. so well and did you watch any of the fbi and interrogation tapes by chance i didn't i saw pictures but i didn't listen to them so you can like listen to some of them on fbi.gov like Mm -hmm. or they have like clips of them i don't know if you can listen to the whole thing but he there's like certain details he's really keen on so i have a feeling that mary brosley was his first because like I feel like he would remember them. Yeah, so I'll talk you know? about that in a, I have that in my notes to talk about too. Um that what he remembered about his like victims was really weird. <laughs> very detailed, I guess. It's very say. like specific things. Yeah. Um he then continued so he was that was in Florida and he continued to kill a few other women in Florida before he returned to Cleveland and then when he was in Cleveland again as Sammy always does he was arrested for armed robbery and later charged with sodomy both of those like charges later got dropped like he was never tried for those two things um but he was arrested for it I assume whenever he was whatever armed robbery in that time, he also sodomized the victim of whoever was living in the place that he robbed or working or whatever. Um, it was around this time that he started his long-term relationship with Aurelia, who was also known as Jean, and her last name was Dorsey. So I have a little bit of some of fun facts about her. Um, <clears throat> I guess fun, as fun as they could be. I suppose. So he married, they never got married, but they were in a long-term relationship from 1971 to 1988, which was when she died. She was 30 years older than him. um, And they actually met in prison. She was a master shoplifter, as many said about her. Obviously not that master because she got caught. I mean, she was in jail for a little bit, but then she kept stealing after like, afterwards. And she died of natural causes. She was not murdered by him. And actually, I'll talk about that later, too. Um, what he said about that when people kind of were like, why, why didn't you ever kill anybody you loved? 
<clears throat> he continued to be arrested for an assortment of petty crimes. Like, like I said, nothing was really too serious. At least at this point, he hadn't been arrested for any murders. Um, once, even though he'd committed some. <laughs> even though at this point, we're sure that he committed probably close to 10, I would imagine, at this point. Um, and it, it was described that once Dorsey, who was like his... For all intensive purposes, essentially his wife, his life partner, um, they lived together, they moved around together, they were on the run together, basically. Um, and once Dorsey was asleep, that's when Little would kind of hunt for victims and then do all his killings. Um, I didn't find a ton because Dorsey did pass away in 1988, so long before any he did the know. majority i've read somewhere that he did the majority of the killings in the 80s yeah so my point being i guess that um there i didn't find a lot of information about whether or not she knew about any of this and maybe just like kind of turned a blind eye um or if she literally had no idea i'm unsure and it's not like we I could know ask it's, her. she's not like a violent criminal though so i know yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, but, like, at the same time, they, like, they loved each other. They, like, he said he would do, like, anything for her. I mean, they were totally in love. So, <clears throat> in 1976, Little was arrested after kidnapping and raping a woman, and he was then sentenced to three months in county jail. So, <clears throat> kind of one of the first i mean maybe not first probably more of like the second or third red flag i mean let's be frank all of the arrests were red flags but then there was the one when he had the assault and battery of a woman in 1966 sorry my hair was like falling out and i couldn't see um i don't know i kind of been saying this whole time that a lot of his crimes were not very violent um they were kind of just petty robbery and break-ins and whatnot but then like they kind of got increasingly violent i think and then starting to involve more women and more kind of started going more towards his what would end up being his murder victims i guess um so he was sentenced to three months in county jail and he's sir i mean annoyed that it was only three months but whatever Sounds like somebody else we know. Anyway, um, he continued to murder and assault women. <laughs> that's like such a blunt way to put it. But I mean, essentially, that's what happened. He just, he never, it's so frustrating, like researching this case. He never freaking got caught, really. Like, even when he got caught, they were just like, oh, yeah, three months in prison, two years in jail, whatever. And it just kept going on and on and on. Um, and then in Pascagoula, which is an interesting name for a city, Pascagoula, Mississippi, um, two sex workers survived an attack and test eventually testified years, years later against him. So I put this specific instance in here because I think it's interesting and kind of just, I don't know, adds to this tale that Samuel Little had kind of described to people and it made up in his head that oh sex workers they're not gonna even if they survive they're not gonna tell anybody and like for these two women that was exactly the case they didn't tell anyone at first but then eventually they testified years later after everything came out so I don't know I guess you guys could add what you think on that but that's kind of 
I mean, to me, it, it, that basically would just prove his point to himself that, okay, well, I can kill as many sex workers as I want because no one cares about them. And even if they survive the attack, they're not or run away or whatever. They're not going to tell anybody because they're sex workers. They're such low life individuals. You know, it's like it reaffirmed his mm-hmm. his already kind of messed up thought process, I guess. Right. And then once you're down that like path of targeting sex workers because because it's, it's almost like gratification when you don't get caught. Yeah. And so then you are like, wait, this is working, which is so awful. Um, yeah. But it just kind of like perpetuates that like victim cycle um yeah well, i feel like that happens this, with a lot even, of serial killers yeah. that that whole like oh, i'm not getting caught like that's awesome like that's kind of that's part of the game for them i feel like is oh i'm not getting caught let me just keep doing it um because why would they stop because they're obviously messed up individuals anyway yeah and i mean i don't know if you guys have ever there's not maybe i don't know if theory is the right word for it but sort of like a theory that it's called like missing white women theory or something like that but essentially oh yeah i just saw something about that yeah es- essentially the the idea is that if like you're presented with two cases like it just basically i mean the black women or the women of color they're not going to be the ones that are projected into media and everyone knows their name. And I mean, like you see like, like Lacey Peterson, is that her name? It's Lacey Peterson, right? Scott Peterson's wife. Is that the one that they made that Netflix show about? Hold on. Let me look it up. Cause now I don't want to. It's called. Yeah. It's called missing white woman syndrome. Yeah. Missing white woman syndrome. So like someone like Lacey Peterson, um, who do you guys not know about that case? No, Scott Peterson in California where she was she was like eight months pregnant she went missing on Christmas Eve and they never they eventually found her body obviously oh, dead yes yes, yes. and it was it was the time. one yeah. that Gone Girl was kind of loosely based off of mm-hmm. anyway but you have like someone like that who she was plastered on every media everywhere everyone knew her she was this cute little white girl right and then you have hundreds and hundreds of like missing women of color that don't get any immediate any media attention and so then no one knows about it and no one knows what questions to ask and stuff so i think that that's not at all like entirely impossible that it like they just didn't know a lot about the black women but they knew everything they could find about the white women oh totally totally realistic yeah so i was kind of a that was like a little rant i guess a little stray off topic but that's okay i know sorry we kind of got off topic that's all right um i think it's important to mention in this well it case. is on topic honestly. i'm really good at getting off topic so if you need to <laughs> shut me up like you you're welcome to well i feel like all of that was pretty much on topic honestly okay good good um little eventually was arrested again and i put in parentheses lol because even though it's not funny but it is kind of funny because when i was reading all the research like it was like blah 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 it would be like one sentence and then it would say then little got arrested again and i'm like oh well no crap i mean obviously right this guy like what a charmer <sighs> yeah um he was arrested in pascagoula i really want to visit pascagoula i hope i'm not saying that incorrectly because that is such a cool city's name. I don't know. I've never heard something. I mean, we do live in Washington State, which where there's like Issaquah and Snoqualmie and like all these cool names, but whatever. Anyway. Even yeah, even Spokane is like a, a native yeah. 
describes mm-hmm. lots of cool city names i guess is what i'm learning right um and he was arrested this time <laughs> for shoplifting um and then this was the arrest where i'm not sure exactly how but basically he was charged with the merger merger <laughs> it was it was a great business deal oh, just kidding. um this was the murder <laughs> oh like merger <laughs> like this <laughs> the office okay got it <laughs> this was the arrest where he was charged with the murder of melinda rose Lapree. um and this is also when a grand jury declined to indict him and this is when i just like do total face palm to the face because i can't believe that that happened anyway whatever um they extradited to face charges. <laughs> it's supposed to say face. Guys, I literally can't type though. Like, I'm not kidding. I think it's because this computer is like a is like a tablet. So if I'm sitting like on the couch, it doesn't stay still. Lap, it doesn't stay still until like <laughs> typing like all crazy. Anyway, he was then extradited to face charges for the rape and murder of Patricia Ann Mount. And he was later acquitted on all charges. So another facepalm, like, are you kidding me, people? It's actually really interesting that they didn't pursue, because um, it's my understanding that those two women, and they didn't ever pursue a criminal trial because they, like, during the discovery phase or deciding when they were going to, if they were going to have a trial, they decided that there wasn't enough evidence mm-hmm. because it was, like, all circumstantial or, like, I know that one of them, I think it was Patricia and Mount, like, all of the um, testimonies, like the witnesses they were going to use, like were they couldn't trust them probably because they were transients or sex workers or mm-hmm. whatever. Which so. is stupid. Yeah. I don't understand. Can't but, trust them. Like um, you trust a businessman more. That's kind of yeah. Um, yeah. You no, know, I was going to mention that actually when we first started talking about the case where we were talking about how we know of all these white serial killers, but we don't know of any black ones or hardly any. I mean, Samuel Little's like the number one actually the only one that comes to my mind um and part of me does wonder you know being in the united states as it is we know we all know this um if the reason why there's not more black serial killers is because they got caught before they became a serial killer like maybe they killed one person i don't know maybe that's like a little far-fetched but okay that's actually i mean it's quite a logical path but i did look it up and here's what I found. We have, like, this misconception that majority of serial killers are white. Here's the thing. Majority of homicides, serial or not, are um, not interracial. So they are the victim and the perpetrator of the same race. Interesting. I knew that. So the reason is the missing white woman yeah yeah so news shows missing or murdered white victims way more often than they would show a black victim and so that takes out all the black serial or a majority of the black serial killers yeah the media has very strong racial bias yeah that's interesting actually and and honestly that makes perfect sense to me i guess so interesting um And then I get a little fun- fancy with my notes, I guess you guys could say. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm like, his murder trials didn't stop him. 
Instead, he went on to kill again and again and again and again and again. Did you really write that, girl? <laughs> yeah, I said his murder trials didn't stop him. Instead, he went on to kill again and again, which is so horrible. But, like, I mean, at this point, I'm so frustrated with... That he hasn't been caught. That yet. he hasn't been caught. And even when he's been freaking caught, he wasn't, like... Caught. Caught, you know? And it's just frustrating. I mean, but again, it was it was just the time... that that time period i think that think like crime and being able dna evidence all that wasn't at the point that it is now oh for mm-hmm. sure they were just i think at this time starting to use um like fiber evidence and mm-hmm. like that kind of thing which is way less evolved or like hair evidence for example which is like I believe it's not really admissible in court now, but they basically would, like, take a hair from a crime scene and not use DNA. They would just compare the hair strands. <laughs> they so wouldn't use DNA because student, you can't laugh. <laughs> it's because your hair doesn't have DNA on it. It only has DNA if mm-hmm. the hair follicle is still attached. Which is so they literally, they would just take two hair strands and compare them. And if they were, like, <laughs> close enough. But I think it was, like, it was admissible in court for such a small period because they were, like... Oh, like people, people like us right now. We're like, oh, that's a little weird. <laughs> um, well, because you, so, Hannah, and we all have very similar hair. Yeah, like, so that's no. the thing. my point is, don't do anything wrong because they're going to use both of our hairs and they're going to try to compare it. Okay. Oh, so um, in July 2013, the FBI finally admitted that the it's called hair comparison evidence. They finally admitted that it was like bullshit. <laughs> good one at least they admitted it you know charming like that's okay sort of anyway um by 1984 he was arrested for assaulting two women in san diego this guy really can't just fucking stop hurting people i think that says something about our prison reform system as well (laughs) yeah i mean you know what like that kind of gets into the question of if someone is a serial killer, like, right, or yeah. like if you're a murderer, do you literally just have something wrong with your brain? Which I would argue, yeah. And then there's also like a school of thought that, like, yeah, maybe they could be fixed, but I don't think so. Anyway, we won't get into that because that's <laughs> kind of like, that's like a greater, like, philosophical that's a total question episode. of like, are men, are men good or bad? Or not men in specific, but <laughs> is man, is, no. man, is man good or evil? Right. Um, anyway. It depends on if they're male or female. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, we, you know where we stand. <laughs> um, so it was tried and ended up, he ended up serving two and a half years in prison for attempted murder. Cool. We love to see at least a few years in prison. We love anyway, to see it. <laughs> this is when Little submitted DNA that was entered into a national database. That's my understanding from what my, I got from my research. Um, Little claimed his final victim was a woman in Tupelo, Mississippi, um, which they're pretty sure was Nancy C. Stevens, and that was in 2005. So 1971 to 2005, so that's 34 years about um, that he killed people. Like, just, I mean, that's so frustrating to know that, like, he literally, well, and he, I don't know. It's hard to think about that someone was like going around killing people for that long and was in and out of jail too and just kind of slid right under everyone's noses. I don't know. 
Um, in 2007, Little was arrested for possession of a cocaine. So at this point, he was relatively old, right? So like he's getting up there, 67, into his 70s. yeah. Um, and he was arrested for possession of cocaine. Whatever, who cares? Um, and he pleaded guilty, but he never showed up to court to the court order re. He never showed up to the court ordered rehab, and so then a warrant was issued for his arrest. Um, he was a vench, and then it took a while. It wasn't until 2012 when he was linked to the murders, um, when there was a match with Little's DNA. So then I'll jump into kind of what that looked like. So he was in a Kentucky homeless shelter at the time that he was picked up on September 15th not 15th september 5th 2012 for like i said that drug charge in la so basically they he was arrested for possession of cocaine he said yeah that's true i had cocaine but then he never showed up to the court ordered rehab and so they issued a warrant for his arrest but then he was nowhere to be found and so they, they tracked like his social security or something they tracked something related to him and they found him at that homeless shelter which was where he was picked up. Um, And then when his DNA was tested, it was matched to samples taken from three homicides of Carol Alford, Guadalupe Duarte, Apodaca, 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 and Audrey Everett from 1987 to 1989. So just two years out of the 30 four years that he was killing people there's three murders that the dna matched with um well this is the dna that they put into right like at the time yeah yeah. um for these three murders he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison because it only takes one murder to sentence someone to life in prison apparently it takes like five attempted murders though to like not put anyone in prison for any length of time whatever um i'm a little salty about that i guess um On the day of the verdict in 2014, Little was still claiming innocence. So like I mentioned earlier, he's an interesting guy to like listen to or read his read his confessions. Just I mean, to understand. I mean, obviously, to understand a serial killer is kind of a weird thing. It doesn't happen very often. Um, But he had a lot of kind of contradicting confessions and he was claiming his innocence up until he basically didn't and started confessing to a bunch of stuff. Um, the FBI entered Little's information into VICAP, Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, and this revealed his possible connections to unsolved murders across 19 states. And he was later convicted of murders in only three of these states, which was Texas, California, and Ohio. Yeah, so it's my understanding that he... All of the work that the FBI is doing to find out who his victims were is more for like closure for the families because uh-huh. he's already i mean right now as we speak now he's dead, he's dead but, yeah um so like texas he got like he was convicted and that added because he technically was serving four life sentences at the time mm-hmm. um i can't remember what other murder he was serving a life sentence for but um he there was never any like formal convictions really mm-hmm. other yeah. than like five i think i think it was the three in california one other one and then or two other ones i don't know if which one was in texas and which one was in ohio but yeah um 
And then you started writing this sentence, which I don't know what you're going with this. It said Samuel Little began confessing. I don't know if you're on the notes. And then you said he would often oh, ramble on about the car he was driving or and then it, that's it. <laughs> so that's, that's watched, all she wrote. <laughs> I watched like a couple of the clips that are on the FBI's website. Um, they're kind of cool, honestly. I'm kind of like weird about that. Like, I think it's interesting to see like how people the serial killer. How he like, thought. Yeah. Yeah. And like he will just go off on these like what appears to be a tangent and he'll just be like, oh, yes, I remember that woman. And he'll like start drawing her picture and he'll remember exactly the car he was driving, but he doesn't remember her name. Uh Um, He'll like remember really specific things like that he ate that day, but then he'll (gasps) and he'll get really he'll get really excited about like the prospect of it. Like he gets so he gets like excited on it on camera. Because he like remembers, yeah. So the thrill of it, because obviously he he got pleasure out of it, you know. Yeah. So that brings me to my section. I like to call Hannah's fun additions, fun facts. Which again, they're only fun facts for a true crime podcast. They're not actually fun, and kind <laughs> of weird stuff that I found during my research. So kind of like what Caitlin was saying, he was. I mean, basically, the only way I can describe it he is he was c- incredibly detailed in his description of the killings and the victims, but only, like, selectively detailed, I guess. So, let's start with the fact that, like Caitlin was saying, he really was excited by murdering women like this. So, he once, during his confessions, recalled that he had developed a fetish for women's necks. Um, at a very young age so he claims that when he was in kindergarten he saw his kindergarten teacher touch her neck and he was sexually aroused at this point i don't know if that's like biologically possible but that's besides the point anyway um so yeah that's disgusting but i mean that that clearly shows why he murdered his victims the way he did um he was married once and then he was in in two long-term relationships and he said like when he started confessing and everything that he never looked at their necks because basically he knew he couldn't resist the urge to kill them if he would have looked at their necks so the his to wife strangle him yeah like his wife to strangle him yeah his wife and two girlfriends he said he never anyone that he loved he never looked at their neck all right okay how'd you look at their face then anyway <laughs> Very um, carefully. Very carefully. Otherwise, he would just go crazy. I mean, literally, I th- that's like basically what it seemed like in the research was that he literally didn't trust himself to not murder somebody, which is like crazy to think that. Anyway. Um, and then, like, I was talking about him being like weirdly detailed. He would sketch. So, right now, if you guys have not seen the sketches of his victims, he sketched out victims of around 16 of the unidentified victims that he had killed. Um, and they are incredibly detailed. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen the meme going around of Richard Ramirez, like his sketch. And everyone's oh, like, yeah. no wonder. Everyone's like, no wonder he didn't get caught for so long. And like, yeah, I get that. But like these um, sketches were so detailed, in my opinion, at least. Like, they were able to find these women, like, super quick. They're like, oh, yeah, that's blah, 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 or that's that one lady or whatever, yeah. you know? 
Um, I think there's a couple, though, with drawings that they haven't found yet. Yeah, I think so. And um, they actually say on the FBI website, because you can find all the sketches on the FBI website, and it'll say, like, when he said that, or around the time that he said that they were probably killed with, like, and sometimes they'll put, like, oh, he thinks their name is this. Um, and they say on there, they're, like, they're... Little's, like, recollection sometimes was, like, not very complete. So, like, if there's certain details, like, don't let that be the reason that you don't think it's your person, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. don't let that, like, deter you from being like, oh, maybe this is somebody I know that got murdered around this time or, like, disappeared or mysteriously died or... Yeah. Because there was, like, a lot of little things that he probably didn't get right, Mm -hmm. but he wanted to be right. Because you would get so passionate about, like, mm-hmm. um, these murders, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then, like, Caitlin sort of mentioned, he is said to have remembered very, very specific details of his victims. Um, again, like, obviously, that's why he could draw up so such detailed drawings of them. As well as specifics about the killings themselves, like, what he ate that day or what he was wearing or what they were wearing, whatever. But um, he wasn't ever able hardly ever able if ever um to remember the date of the killings which i thought was interesting and so obviously that was really frustrating for like the detectives because that's one of the most important facts for them is when when did the murder take place um to kind of try to place that so plus he often couldn't remember my understanding is like um he kind of like would conflate two cases like he'd be Mm -hmm. he'd remember certain details from one person Mm -hmm. and another person and he'd like think that they were the same like he would like present them as the same kind of yeah and you have to think too like by the time it was 2014 he was elderly like he was like in his 70s right 74 he's born in 1940 i think Yeah. yeah 74 so you know, I mean, I wonder, like, is his memory going? Like, I don't know. So maybe he really was kind of just, like, switching things up because he was old. <laughs> um, <clears throat> which, again, is, is, like, why it's really annoying that they didn't catch him earlier on when he was in better health and they could actually try to get more out of him and whatnot. Anyway, um, though he could describe his victims and their killings in great detail, he could never really say why he did it even after he had begun opening up to investigators i mean obviously we know why he strangled them it was because he had some weird fetish with that but he mentioned later in like one of his confessionals or interviews or whatever that killing was like a drug to him and he began to kind of need it basically um which is kind of the case for most serial killers i feel like that's like a pretty basic storyline for most killers um he said he he claimed that he had begun confessing because he was hoping to exonerate anyone who was wrongly imprisoned for his crimes um because like we said he had murdered in so many different states that like the ones that they found people for they weren't i mean obviously it wasn't samuel little right so Mm -hmm. um i don't know (laughs) take that with what you may i guess i don't know if that's like really a great thing but it is interesting that that's that's basically what he said his reasoning was was that he was hoping to kind of get those people off and not 
you know, sentenced to life in prison or whatever. Um, he, this is kind of my own ad lib, I guess, but he believed even though he was the most prolific serial killer, which was a title that someone like Ted Bundy or, you know, those deranged serial killers that were like super narcissistic would have loved to have that honor, like that title. That was like part of the reason why someone like Ted Bundy did it. Um, but he said that what he liked to do, which I put in parentheses, murder, in case that wasn't clear to this point, what he liked to do, which was murder women, was a curse and not an honor, which, duh. But, I mean, it's interesting because for so long he, like, said, like, that he wasn't guilty and whatever. And then it was, like, it was, like, a waterfall. Like, as soon as he started confessing, it was, like, here's all this information. And I don't think I was in the right. And I think that it was a curse that I murdered these people, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Um, and then this is kind of what I was saying earlier, too. But this is why I'm more inclined to believe that he actually did kill all the victims he confessed to killing. Because I feel like if you thought it was... If you didn't think it was a curse, like, why would you? I mean, it felt like he, I don't know. I Maybe you guys can kind of add some stuff here, too. But I feel like he wasn't confessing all of these murders for fame or to become the most prolific serial killer. I think he was doing it because he literally committed all these murders. And like Caitlin said, he, when he thought about one of the murders he committed, he like got excited and was like, oh, my God, I need to tell everybody. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's... So, as far as, like, the timeline of his confessions goes, I did want to, like, mention that the reason that he ended up doing the drawings in the first place is because he was being interviewed by a Texas ranger. Um, His name is James Holland. um, About, like, a murder. He was trying to solve this murder of a prostitute from, like, the 90s. And he knew that Little, like, enjoyed drawing. And so he brought him, like, a bunch of, like, art supplies. And that's when he got into, like, the habit of, like, sketching out what he remembered, I guess. Um, So it just, like, was a weird start. And there was a a quote that I found. This is on biography.com. This is Little saying, I live in my mind now with my babies, meaning his victims, in my drawings, the only things I was ever good at was drawing and fighting. Um, Which I believe. I the drawings was... are good, and he was possibly a professional boxer, so that sounds yeah. good for him. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and kind of, like, as a closing thought, um, you know, it, it is a big question, at least in my mind, especially, like, through doing the research and, and even talking through this case on the podcast today um how literally like how did he kill so many people like how did yeah. he kill upwards of 90 people um i'm just surprised tired. like statistics wise nobody caught him in the act yeah like well and and i think i think maybe people did see him doing so there were a few um, like a lot of his cases in the middle where he was like arrested for assaulting a woman or kidnapping and rape or whatever um, the reason why he was arrested, beca- it was because of eyewitnesses. There was an eyewitness yeah. that said, oh, I, I placed him there. I saw him put her in the car or whatever. Um, and so I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just interesting. It's, I think, in my opinion, it's because 
number one of the lifestyle he lived how he moved around and he was never in one location for too long and even though he came back to locations he kind of didn't stay there long and then also kind of a second point like a sub point to that um is yes he strangled all his victims that's true but his he didn't have like a super prominent mo it wasn't like someone like it's not like he like signed his name or something every single time like there was nothing for them to like or like left something was, on the scene that was like very specific and there, there was, was no reason that, yeah for them to believe at the time that any of these were connected you know no, yeah that's exactly. and i feel like, like never, strangulation is pretty common if he never yeah. ends on some whim at the end of his life like when he knew he was getting older like if he not on some whim decided to like just start com- like confessing we would not like know about all these no, other ones. We wouldn't yeah. know that he- these were connected in any way. It's just a bunch of random killings of prostitutes, like e- extremely random, like yeah, just random places all across the United States, like mainly in California and Florida, but like those are huge states. Like so, and that brings me to my second point. Um, it was that. The majority of his killings were in two incredibly large states, which were California and Florida. And then he had some scattered throughout in the middle, you know, of California and Florida, like between the two states and the United States. But I think that's a good point, obviously, because I wrote that down that, um, you know, most of his killings were in these like huge states. And like even within like between counties back then it wasn't like oh yeah did you hear about that lady that was strangled oh i had someone that was strangled let's there was like about no, it yeah not to mention that these were it wasn't like crazy uncommon to find prostitutes strangled mm-hmm. or passed out and think that they just died of a drug overdose yeah. cuz like if you just saw somebody passed out you might not sorry pa- not passed out like dead but you might not immediately be like, oh, they were oh, they strangled. Were strangled. Yeah. Like, I see what you're saying. You yeah. know what I mean? That's why so many of these people probably were never autopsied. Like, that's yeah. a fair point. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode about Samuel Little, who was a total shithead. POS. <laughs> Here, let's replace it with <laughs> Scum of the Earth. Samuel Little, Scum of the Earth, POS. In a sentence, that's how I describe it. Yeah, that it. works for me. Um, who's dead anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, but thanks for listening to this episode. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, thanks for sticking around for the full-length one this week, even though we weren't able to chat with you guys on Friday. Um, as always, you guys can find us on social media. Almost all of our social media is Who What Wear Podcast. That's our YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. And please like, like, comment, subscribe chat with us in the comments whatever you see fit and if you feel like we're leaving us a review you can do so on apple podcasts and we'll see you guys in the next one well you guys will hear us in the next one all right which we will be back on friday so yeah bye